Praise the Lord. Ooh. How's everyone doing? I got a couple of people giggled. Is it funny? Funny question. Everybody doing okay tonight? Amen. Why don't we why don't we stand? Let's loosen up. Turn around, poke your neighbor, and I, I say we walk by faith, not by sight. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Now let's just redirect our attention to the Lord and let's invite his presence into this place tonight. God, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for your grace, God. We thank you, Lord, for what you are about to do in this place. God, you are faithful. Even when we're not faithful, you are faithful, Lord. And we're here tonight, God, to say we are desperate for your help, desperate for your strength, Lord. We can't make it without it tonight, Lord. We need you. We need your wisdom. We need your counsel. We need the moving of your spirit, Lord. We love you. We love you, Lord. We're here tonight to express our gratitude, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Amen. We're going to sing unto the Lord, give you an opportunity to present your offering to the Lord. Let's, uh, let's just worship our great God tonight. Blessed be your name in a land that is plentiful. Where your streams of abundance flow, blessed be your name.
worship that that name Jesus Jesus oh we worship you Jesus God we thank you Lord for your goodness thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord hallelujah hallelujah 
seated. Just a few days and we will, many of us will be beginning our festivities. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Um, I know some of you have already got your plans locked in. Know where you're going. Knowing what you're going to eat. Knowing that you might get some new socks or... love Christmas, don't we? The holiday season, celebrating our Redeemer born, and although he wasn't born on Christmas Day, we know that this is the season that we celebrate his birth. Sometimes we can get, we can get distracted and miss out on why we celebrate the Lord. And our celebration is that he came to save us. That's the greatest gift anyone could ever offer us is the gift of redemption. There's no greater gift. And... 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. It's impossible for us as God's people to Consider when he was born, what he was born to do. We don't, we don't focus more on his beginning as we do his end. And this is what Jesus was saying. He wasn't saying, remember my birth. He was saying, remember what I did for you. Remember my sacrifice. Remember my suffering. Remember why I came into the world. Don't just look at the manger, but look at, look at the purpose that was in that manger. What, what that manger was really representing. And, and we can see how things can change. When we consider what Christmas 
is supposed to be about, the celebration of Christ and how the world has taken it and turned it into something else. And, uh, you know, like our kids portrayed in their play, uh, you know, the same thing that happens at Easter and these holidays that they kind of they take away from from why we celebrate those. But the reality is we celebrate Christ every day of our life. It's not just a once a year, twice a year holiday. We celebrate Jesus every day. Every day. And with that, we're going to get back into Romans chapter 8. I'll read verse 14. And tonight I want to just speak on the subject, the suffering of sonship. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And verse 15, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And what a special, what a special thing that we have in this adoption is we can, we can cry out to God as our Father. We can cry, Abba, Father. We can cry, Daddy, I need you. Verse 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. When you were born again of water and spirit, something, something changed on the inside. When we receive the spirit of adoption, there's something inside of us that says, I got it. You don't have to tell me. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, that we are the children of God. We don't have to be super spiritual people to know when God has touched us. You know when the Lord moves on your behalf and He touches your body and He touches your life and He changes something in you. And when I, when I set my face toward Him in prayer, I know when He enters the room. There is a change in the atmosphere when he moves into the room. When I praise his name, I know when he enters the room. And when I received the Holy Ghost, I knew when he entered this vessel. It's no different. Nobody has to tell you you've been saved. Nobody has to tell you you've been adopted. You can feel it. You, and then there is this testimony. There's this testimony. There's this, the Spirit testifies with our spirit that I've got it. Verse 17 proclaims what comes with this adoption. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Everything Jesus has by right, we now share by grace. What he won through his death, burial, and resurrection, we inherit by believing on him. 
Revelation chapter 1 verse 18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. If he has the keys and I am joint heir with him, guess what I have? Guess what you have? He has the keys and we have them too. But they are only mine as long as I am in Christ. As long as I am walking after the Spirit and not after my flesh. As long as I remain in this place of sanctification where I am being conformed to an image. It's not who I want to be. It's not who I want to look like. It's Him. We're being conformed in his image, and his likeness. And if I suffer with him, we, I will also share in his glory. If you suffer with him, you will also share in his glory. Now, I just want to say, I just want to say one thing here, or a couple things here uh, about this. Like, there, there are things that we suffer in life just because we live in a fallen world. That doesn't mean that we're suffering with Christ. You get what I'm saying? Because I have a bad day, my tire goes flat, and you know, and I, and I, you know, my boss yells at me uh, for being late or something. You know, that's not suffering with Christ. That's just suffering. That's, that's, even, that's an even greater reason to say, Lord, come quickly. I'm tired of suffering. I'm tired of this whole world. I'm tired of the aches and the pains. and the, I'm tired of the, the affliction and the disease. I'm tired of sin. I'm tired of those things. And, you know, we'll, we'll suffer through those things because we do live in a fallen world. And we can't expect that everything's just going to be magical for us. Everything's just going to work out in our favor the way we want it. I've got the favor of the Lord on my life. Well, you know what? Sometimes the favor of the Lord is walking through a season of suffering. But if, if we're going to... If we're going to suffer, why not suffer with God? With Christ. Now listen... I want to just say this because this, this hit me as well. We are not going to suffer for him. We're going to suffer with him. And there's a difference. We don't look like, well, I'm suffering for the cause of Christ. No, I'm suffering with Christ. And if I can get a hold of suffering with him, I, I know that if I'm suffering with him, I know he suffered. And if he suffered for me, if he suffered for, for my redemption, if he suffered on my behalf, then I should, want to, I should want to suffer for him. I should want to suffer for him. So how, how are things that, how, how are some of the ways that we suffer for him? You think about this in your life. Ways that I, ways that I suffer for Christ is when I go out and I represent Christ. And I, and I, what, what, did, what, did, what did Jesus do? He began to preach repentance. And when you, bring the, when you bring the gospel of Jesus Christ 
into a fallen world where you're going to have wicked people and you're going to have people who retaliate. You're going to have people who lash out. You're going to have wolves. You're going to have all kinds of resistance, but you have the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. You have power to deliver, to testify. You have all of these things, but yet sometimes it's not going to work out the way that you want it to work out. In fact, I could probably just say most of the time, if not all the time, it's not going to work out the way we want it to work out. And so we must be willing to, to face whatever's thrown our way because of who we're representing. Jesus made, made the statement, you will be hated by all men for my name's sake. Like we're not going to find acceptance in the world when we're preaching Jesus. We're going to find retaliation and resistance. But we have a perfect model. When we're, when we're walking after the Lord's uh, pattern that he's left for us, then he gives us, he gives us the exact thing, the exact way that we need to walk through suffering. Not hanging our head down and saying, oh, I can't believe it's happening to me again. Listen, because he already experienced suffering. And as the suffering servant from Isaiah 53, let's look a little bit into this. Verse 1, who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Verse 2, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He did not come to reveal his glory through his appearance. He came to reveal his glory through his suffering. Some people just want to follow the best looking one. The most intelligent one. The one that doesn't sound as dumb as the previous one. You know, and Samuel, we get this picture of Samuel going into Jesse's house and, 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 and looking for what Saul represented. He was, he was looking for who would, who would look like a king. Well, he definitely, this one definitely is the closest to the king. No, that's not him. Well, maybe this one because he's close too. No, none of these, none of these are. Because we can't look by appearance and get, and get what we get when we read about Jesus. Verse 3 says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. Listen, listen, the God you serve, the one you are following was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows. Listen, Jesus was rejected of men, not accepted of men. And so too many people in, in the church, they, they, want to, they want acceptance. They want to be accepted in society as some, as some you know, figure of, of goodness, right? And so, and so people will refrain themselves from saying things like repent because they're trying to gain acceptance, you just don't want to tell somebody that they're lost and they're on their way to a devil's hell. You don't want to say that because you might lose them as a friend, as a colleague. They might, they might despise you. They might reject you.
a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. And for, verse 4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for whose transgressions? Not for his, because he didn't have any. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And you know what? When I think about suffering, oh, I think that he suffered. I believe he suffered for me. He suffered for you, for, for our infirmities, for our transgressions, for our diseases. He suffered. chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed and in verse 6 all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all the Lord the Lord laid on who Jesus the son right laid on the son the iniquity of us all he didn't just carry a few sins He carried the weight of the world on his shoulders. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. When the retaliation comes, when the resistance comes, when we are trying to do the right thing and we're living our life to do the right thing and all the wrong things come to you, you know what it is? It's a perfect opportunity for us to take on this pattern and say, I'm not going to open my mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For, why? Why was he cut off out of the land of the living? For the transgression of his people, of God's people. Was he stricken? Verse 9, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11, he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. How are we justified? It's because he bore our iniquities. It was through his suffering that many would be justified. It was the joy that was set before him. Joy was the reason that he endured the cross because of the many who would be justified. In his moments of suffering, he could see multitudes of people as the stars of the sky entering into his glory with him. People who would be willing to suffer with him. 
The door is wide open for anyone who would deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him daily. The door is wide open for anyone who would suffer a little while, who will suffer some things, because there is an even greater reward ahead. Verse 12, Romans Verse 12 in Isaiah 53. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many. And made intercession for the transgressors. In his death. He was making intercession. And we see men in the New Testament doing the same thing. At the very last breath of Stephen, uh, in Stephen's ministry, in his preaching, in his earthly ministry, he he was making intercession for the ones who were throwing stones to kill him. You can see this pattern and all, all the first century believers who were following Christ, they were willing to put their life in, in, a, in a risky situation for the glory of God. They were willing to put their neck out. They were willing to be martyred for the glory of God. That's not the message that's popular in our world today. It's not even the message that's popular in some apostolic circles and We want to just be in a safe place where we can be apostolic and be safe and be comfortable. Not have to think about suffering. I I don't want comfort to strip me of the glory that can be revealed through the suffering. That if, if if I'll accept the suffering, I can get the glory. But if I'm only, if I'm only wanting comfort in my life, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna forfeit the glory. But in my forfeit of the glory, I'm going to forfeit fellowship. Listen to what Paul was writing. If we can somehow get a hold of the, of the spirit in the first century church. Paul writing in Romans 8, 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It does not matter what we face, the threat of death in our life, uh, the punishment of stripes, uh, the punishment of being despised and rejected. It does not matter because there is something greater in us uh, that when that glory is revealed, the whole creation will take notice of that glory. In fact, we'll read this in a few more passages. The whole, the whole creation groaneth waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. When God's sons, when the ones who've been led by His Spirit, when there is a revealing, a revealing of the sons of God. Oh, they're waiting for that moment. Listen, they're waiting for the blood-bought, born-again child of the king, walking in the spirit. They're waiting on the revelation of the sons of God. The glory which shall be revealed in us. Because here's the thing. The path of sonship has power, but it also has suffering. 
If we're going to know Jesus, we can't just know him in his power. We got to know him in his suffering, which means we've got to be willing to be to be despised by what we believe, by what we speak. Don't be ashamed. Listen, count it joy when somebody when somebody says, I don't believe in all that because you have been representing the kingdom of God. When you begin to speak Jesus and preach Jesus, don't be, don't be ashamed as, at some of the retaliation that might come your way. Count it all joy. Listen, count it joy that you can suffer for the gospel. Who cares if you're rejected? Who cares if you lose your membership? Who cares if you lose your relationships with your colleagues who walk away from you because you said you got to be born of water and spirit? Who cares? There's going to be some that hate you for it. This is why we got to be led of the spirit because the Lord will, the Lord will pair us up with people, with people that he's, he's already prepared their hearts. He's already prepared their hearts. We can't prepare the hearts. There are people that we want to be saved. And, and you know, we can, get so, we can get so frustrated because we're pouring all of our energy in people that the Lord hasn't been able to prepare. You know, and if we're sensitive to the Spirit of God, He'll lead us to somebody that's already looking. They're already looking in the right direction. We, we can't, because listen, we'll get discouraged. We'll get hung up. Lord, why won't they accept this? Why won't they, ex- listen, it's not, it's not you. It's not your delivery. It's not, it's him. They won't accept him. It doesn't matter how much you want somebody to be saved. If, if the Lord, if they don't let the Lord prepare their hearts, they won't be saved. I hate to put it that way. But listen, we can get so discouraged because I, I want to see so-and-so saved. I want to see them saved. You know how many people I've watched through the years have loved ones, even their own sons and daughters, who cry out, Lord, save them, save them, save them. And they die lost or they, or they never come back. And we can get frustrated. And Lord, why aren't you saving them? I know you want to save them. It's like they, they, they won't give me a place to work. He has to have a place to work. But if we're leading, being led by his spirit, he's not going to take us to the people. He's not going to take us to the people that are going to frustrate us. He's going to give us discernment to walk beyond that. Now you can speak and you can, you can, you can tell them to repent you can, you can preach the gospel to them, but you can't invest. You can't pour into somebody who doesn't want it. When there's an Ethiopian eunuch standing in a chariot waiting, waiting for a Philip, waiting for a Philip to come and release what he has. So the path of sonship has power, but it also has suffering. And for our complete fellowship with Christ, we've got to be willing to embrace both. 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, I, I want to I say, for Paul, for Paul to say our light affliction gives us this impression that he didn't do a lot of suffering if he's calling it light.
Now let's look, look, look at this for a little bit. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 21. I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak, howbeit uh, wherein soever any is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. We got the same thing. Got the same heritage. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. And labor is more abundant. And stripes above measure. And prisons more frequent. And deaths oft. Of the Jews five times uh, uh, received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. And journeyings often in perils of waters. And perils of robbers. And perils by my own countrymen. In perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness. He's saying, you know what? I've got perils. There's dangers in the house of God and there's dangers in the world. And I've experienced both of them because of Christ. Perils in the wilderness and perils in seas and perils among false brethren and weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often and cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory the things which concern mine infirmities. That God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. Paul understood suffering. He called it light. Our light affliction. Being, being beaten. Being shipwrecked. Going without. But Paul said, that I may know him. That I may know him. I'm willing to walk through all of us that I may know him. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it's safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. You know what he's saying? Listen, we, we have done abandoned the desires of the flesh. We have no confidence in it. We're walking in the spirit. That's what our desire is. We've abandoned, we've abandoned all to walk in the spirit. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching a law of Pharisee. Paul had all the right things to have confidence in his flesh, yet he crucified his flesh every day. Why? Because flesh, flesh is the real deal enemy. Verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may 
win Christ. Listen, he said, I suffered the loss of all of these things. Anyone, anyone lose it all? I don't believe any of us have lost it all. We're nowhere even close. In fact, sometimes we're so comfortable that we, we, suffering doesn't even enter our mind when we, when we talk about knowing Him. Our knowing Him is what we experience on Sunday and when we experience on Wednesday. And we get to bask in his presence for for a couple of hours and then and then we go we go out into our world and we experience all that the world has to offer without suffering the loss of all things and sometimes we'll get bent out of shape if we start losing things but what if i had to lose all things that I may win Christ. What if that was my perspective? Like Paul. You know what? I'm willing to throw it all away. At the, at the chance. At the hope of winning Christ. It's worth it all. Just at the hope of winning Christ. That I may gain Verse 9, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means... I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. But I follow after if that I may apprehend. That for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He has got me. I don't want anything else. I'm willing to suffer and lose all things that I might gain Christ. Jesus preached, taught, healed, delivered, and walked with power and authority. But he also suffered because of it. Jesus suffered because he preached, taught, healed, delivered, walked with power and authority. He was rejected, despised, hated, talked about, betrayed, accused, denied, and only had a few around him when he took his last breath. Yet he still had joy. Paul wrote that he suffered the loss of all things and counted those things done that he may win or that he may gain Christ. I'm trading all that my pedigree gave me to suffer with Christ. I'm trading what I had through my heritage to suffer that I may gain Christ. If I gain Christ, I gain the very one who completes me. If I gain Christ, I gain the one who completes me. 
you hear me? There's not a relationship that will complete you. There's not a, a, there's not a, a man, a woman, or some kind of thing that will complete you. The only thing that will complete you is Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And 8, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. The tradition of men has ruined a lot of people. The rudiments of the world have ruined a lot of people. And this is why, because it removes them from Christ. It removes them from the path of sonship. It removes them from suffering. If somebody wants to come and try to remove you from suffering, they're an enemy of the cross. Because here's the thing. For in Him, in Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ten, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Now listen, if I'm walking a path of suffering, I am complete. It doesn't matter, listen, it doesn't matter if I lose it all, if I lose many things, if I lose my, my acceptance in the world, if I lose my position in the world, if I lose it all, but I still have Christ, I'm complete. No matter what, I'm still complete. As long as I have Jesus, I have everything that I need. I can be without. I I can be content in that, right? Because through Christ, I can do all things. Through Christ, I can walk through seasons of suffering. I can walk through the wilderness. If he's leading me into the wilderness, he'll give me the strength. And he'll give me the words. And he'll give me the confidence to face the temptation that he's leading me into the spirit to face. But on the other side, and I've already said this before, on the other side of that wilderness experience is power and authority. But I, I can't just like only want the power. I know for a long time, Pentecost, we've talked about Acts 1 and 8 so much. Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But we, we fail to finish what that power is for, to be witnesses. And what comes with the witness? Uh, persecution, trials, troubles, uh, uh, thrown in prison and be beaten, uh, going without. Why? Because that is why we have power to accomplish what the Lord has given us the power to do. And you know what he's given us the power to do? He's given us the power to become the sons of God. He's given me the power to face the suffering the same way that he faced it. We can look at Isaiah 53 and say, you know what? Through the Spirit, I can walk like this. Through the Spirit, I can, I can embrace suffering and not retaliate. Through the Spirit, I can, I can carry my cross every day of my life and not do it begrudgingly and not doing it uh, being ashamed. I can do it knowing that if I suffer with Him, I'll reign with Him. And listen, He is the head of all principality and power. I'm complete in him. And you know what? He's the head. He's the head of of everything. There is not 
There is not a force that can override him or overstep him. And you know what? When, when I take that into my season of suffering, I know that when the enemy comes at me with everything he has, he's still going to come up short. Verse 11, in whom he also circumcised the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision, circumcision of Christ. <clears throat> Verse 12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith, the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And this is Romans 8, 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. All of creation waits for the glorious day when the sons of God are revealed. Verse 20, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Listen, the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly. Oh, but listen, that was, that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing with the fall. That's the whole thing with what Adam did. Adam didn't just affect mankind. Adam affected the whole animal kingdom. His sin affected everything. That's why there's this fight for survival. It's hard for us to think of the animal kingdom in any other way, but there's coming a day when there won't be predators. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? Verse 21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of the corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Listen to what Brother Bernard writes. Creation longs for deliverance because it, it is now subject to vanity, futility, or frustration. Creation itself is now under the curse of sin. Nature did not willingly choose to be so, but God placed it under a curse because of the sin of his highest creation and image creature, man. God told Adam, cursed is the ground for your sake. And toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Verse 23. And not only they, but, also our, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. That's why we're in here saying, Lord, come quickly. I'm tired of this chaotic mess we're living in. I'm tired of seeing the same things happen every day. I'm tired of the violence. I'm tired of the chaos. I'm, I'm tired of all the wickedness that I see and sometimes even walk into a room and feel. I'm tired of people uh, lying and cheating and stealing and killing. I'm, I'm tired of it all. I've got the down payment, Lord, but I want the full, I want the full, I want the fullness of your glory. I want the fullness of the joy. I want to hear you say, well done. I'm taking you out of this and I'm placing you into a kingdom. Without pain and suffering. I'll suffer now for a little bit. So I can live forever with no pain. With no suffering. That hope is the future deliverance of creation from its bondage to decay. Which will occur when God's children come into their full inheritance. One day nature will no longer be under the curse, Revelation 22 and 3. God will restore creation to its original beauty, harmony, and peace. 
Apparently, this will involve a change from, away from competition, predation, and the survival of the fittest. On a limited scale now, many plants and animals coexist in a harmonious relationship beneficial to both, a condition known in biology as symbiosis. Bees live off nectar from plants and in turn ensure the plant's propagation by carrying pollen from flower to flower. Some birds pick insects and parasites off large animals receiving a meal for their efforts. Man tends dairy herds and receives milk, butter, and cheese in return. Apparently when Christ establishes his kingdom on earth, he will restore creation to a balanced symbiotic relationship with nothing being hurt or destroyed. Let's stand. Verse 22. Brother Bernard writes, verse 22 graphically depicts the present curse by personifying nature and describing its agony. The whole creation is groaning and laboring and birth pangs until the new age comes into being. Perhaps this describes nature's imbalance in our planet's physical convulsions as evidenced by hurricanes, tornadoes, volcanoes, and earthquakes. We have a hope that one day we're getting, we're getting moved up out of this place. This isn't my destination. This isn't my inheritance. I'm not here, I'm not, and I know you're not here. You're not standing here tonight thinking about this world as your inheritance because this world is not. This world is not our home. We're passing through. We're not attached to it. We got to do things to survive, but this isn't our home. This isn't where my heart is. My heart is in the place that he has prepared for his people, and they're awaiting his return. When he comes back, he's taken his bride, he's taken his church out of this place and into the place that he prepared. Let's thank the Lord. Why don't you thank him for what he's done? what he's given you, what he's allowed you to partake of. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we know that through our suffering that we can know you, that, uh, that our suffering, we can view it as a light affliction, that it's momentary at best, but it's working an eternal weight of glory. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the moving of your spirit in our lives. I thank you for the leading of your spirit in our lives. You're helping us. You're instructing us that we may be conformed into the image, into your image, into your likeness. Lord, I pray, I pray that you would help us. You would help us uh, embrace the suffering, embrace this, uh, this call to suffering, the suffering of sonship, Lord. And I know that one day, one day you will complete the work that you started. And I want you to complete it, Lord. I want you to complete it in me. Thank you, Jesus. So I love and appreciate you all. Hope you all have a wonderful Christmas celebration with your family, friends. Um, no service on Sunday, uh, but we will be here Tuesday night for prayer. Amen. And uh, we'll see you Tuesday, if not Tuesday. We'll see you Wednesday. God bless you all. Y'all be safe.